Oh, you're going to be such a pest, aren't you, this whole time? I'm going to try and drink through it. Not only did you just cough, you hit the microphone too. Should I just record this on my own? Yeah. We don't even need you yeah. for this episode. I'll just try and sip when it's coming on. You're a loser. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. Welcome to my podcast, Thank my you. favorite musical. Thank you. Mm. Do you want me to do an acknowledgement of country? Sure. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you could leave the beginning, but you can't. You don't have what it takes. No. I I leave the opening. It's also like that, yeah, I, things have a rhythm and an order. <laughs> yeah. I'm and that's sorry, how I'm sorry, I like sorry. it. Why would you fuck with it? I'm sorry. Uh, Yama, everyone, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast, the dark and young people. We honour their centuries-old traditions of storytelling, singing and dancing. Beautiful. That's mm. a new one. Yeah, I like to mix it up. Yeah. As I've said. If Love you were it. listening. I'm sorry. Uh, that's Ruth. That's Josephine. She's very mean to me. Yeah, so you say. Mm. I apologise, everyone, if I cough at all. I had COVID like five weeks ago mm. and I'm still coughing. I saw a doctor yesterday. Do you think you're doing it for attention? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so too. You know how I said you were mean to me all the time? That's, <laughs> you're just ex- like exploring that even more yeah um yeah anyway apparently that's just really common for a lot of people after covid yeah it's fine um, it could be like a is it asmr is that what that is like it oh, could some people could who love would it like listening to coughing that's all someone awful. would like it that would be someone's jam uh it's also that my infant son has started daycare recently and is just now permanently sick for the next year yeah. which makes my husband and i sick yeah if you stopped associating with him as much as you do, you my, might not. My infant son? Yes. Right. Okay. It's just, it I'm just saying. I, I love reading those books about like, you know, how they used to parent, you know, 100 years ago where they yeah. just wouldn't see their kids for don't, a few years. And don't spoil. Like even like our parents yeah. were told. Don't spoil a child. If they're crying, let them, you know, yeah. all these sorts of things. Like, You'll don't just ruin cu- the child. Don't cuddle them too much. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It explains a lot about the, the boomers, doesn't it? Those boomers, man. Yeah. Uh, what news? Oh, do we have Tony's news? Yeah, well, the Tony's Tony, have Tony, 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 yeah. Since we last recorded. Yes, which they is happened. Exciting. And the, did the Drama Desk Awards happen? Yes, they must have. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tony's were good. Yeah. No one really swept the awards. Yeah, it was like it was, it was more equitable. Yeah, which was interesting, I thought. It wasn't like a particularly strong year, I don't think, in terms of like one standout. It was a strong year in that lots of good shows were out yeah. and about, I thought. I think um, I was very worried all the whole time that about a strange, a strange loop. loop wasn't going to win. Oh, thank God it did. Because especially like first cab off the rank in that sort of weird pre-show Tony thing that they did was best score, which yeah. went to six. and that went to six, yeah. And I suddenly thought, oh. Because in my head, Six had really kind of been undercut by A Strange Loop. I sort of thought they were going to take everything. I feel like it's actually, I'm really glad Six got um, best score because I think because it's been out for so long, it would have been really easy for them to just sort of like, oh, no, it's not, like it's this new cool thing. Yeah, and also I think. Not that A Strange Loop is new either, but yeah. Yeah, but also like, and then they won best, and then Six won best costumes as well, which I also think was deserved. Um, I think that they, and I know they're only in one costume the whole show, but it's a great costume. Yeah, they're awesome costumes, yeah. Um, And then, but then it was like, yeah, like they weren't winning any of the acting awards. Yes. And. Which I do think was maybe not correct, but. And like company won heaps more than I thought it was going to, considering it hasn't had that greater reception. But it was more acting awards that company won, (coughs) Correct, yeah. For Patty Um, and It did win Best Revival as well, and it won Best Director. Yeah, that's right. Like, Best director. director's pretty big. Was that Marion Elliott? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was kind of surprised about that. What did you think about the company performance? It was fine. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. Oh, really? Oh, just even just the – this is me just bagging on Katrina Lang, but, like, even her, like, you I love and you I – like, it was just so – I, I, I do find... I can't even articulate I, why I don't like I, it. I, I kind of wish... I, I mean, I really wish I could see it so that I had a proper educated opinion on it, but... <laughs> Unlike your learned friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I just think 
Yeah. She seems very affected is what I would say in mm. how she's portraying I the think character. that's the thing that it gets to me because I think it would be really, it's really easy, it's an easy route to play Bobby that way, but yeah. I think Bobby is so much more interesting. And that is not what. No, not what Rosie. No. Yeah, and not Craig, what Rao yeah. did. Like, no. like it was so much more real. Exactly. And, yeah, I, I think it can be too much of that sort of 60s gloss in the show already yes, that you so need true. to have a real Bobby. We, we, we talked about that, I think, in the episode where you covered it yeah. about um, that production we saw in in Sydney yes. 20 years ago. God, yeah. Um, that, yeah, it was like too shiny. Yeah, too shiny, too yeah. mod. Yeah. It was that sort of, but mm, that's the vibe that I got from her and, and she's not a bad actress. So I think there's like, there's no excuse. And mostly, and mostly I've just been hearing that it's a real misstep in how mm. she's approached it and that vocally she's not up to it. Definitely vocally she's not up to yeah. it. She just doesn't have the right type or strength. Or strength, yeah. Like you've got to. Yeah, you've got to be, yeah. It's um, Bobby. It's fucking Bobby. I will say also the results. It, it's interesting. I was having this conversation with a few people and I'm sure we've talked about it before. But so my understanding is that the the pool of Tony nominees mm. is like, I don't know, 30 or something people mm. who live in New York who see everything, right? Nominators, sorry, I, I should say. say. Not nominees, yeah, nominators yeah. who decide the nominations. Yeah. Do you think they are also have personas on Broadway World? Probably. <laughs> but then the voters is like 600 or 700 people who Randos. live all across yes. America. There's it's, it's a much more sort of conservative voting pool than it is the nominators. Yes. So, for example, the nominees were very diverse. Yeah. But the results Nece- were not. Not necessarily, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, which when you look at the history of the of the Tony winners, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I will say, like, a strange loop, of course, deserved a best musical and so I won it. Yeah. Like, correct. So that was good. But, yes, the whole night I was like, oh, my God, is it going to win anything? Like, I thought, too, it was probably one of the weaker nights in terms of quality of the performances. But it seemed to be, like, because it was so consistently sort of like just not quite right, particularly like some pitch was weird. I mm. feel like maybe the, the sound, sound yeah, could was have not right. Like it just felt, oh, yeah, no, I this really is another one for, that wasn't. Um, uh, I don't know how you say the the guy who plays Usher in Strange Loop, Shaquille Spivey or Spivy, something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, his pitch was really bad when they first started performing yeah, and I was and like, even oh. like I felt like the opening was a little shaky at yeah. moments. Like there was just. There was enough of those instances where I was like, oh, something must be, like yeah. there mustn't be any fallback or something. And it is in, at Radio you know, it's a massive yeah. venue, Radio City Musical, and so yeah. who knows. But, um, yeah, I particularly found that, like, with the plays, not so much the musicals that, because there was really diverse plays on Broadway this year. Like, and then for, like, a huge amount yeah. of black writers yeah. and, and black um, directors and stuff, but then yeah, the Lehman trilogy, Lehman trilogy yeah. which is literally about like white capitalism, yeah. Uh, for it to win as much as it did, it was like, oh, <laughs> great, yeah. oh, that's where we are. These are the people. Um, what did you think of the Sondheim tribute? Well, honestly, like, don't get me wrong, I still cried, but it wasn't enough, it wasn't enough. <laughs> I know, I know, and, uh, you know, the Tony, Tony viewing party that thing... I was at, we were just kind of like. Like that, it was it, Bernadette came out, yeah. the song started. And so you're like, oh, and I'm I was like, ready oh for, my God, I'm ready. Ready for every my Broadway performer ready. to sing. And then, yeah. yeah, and then we were like, I'm sorry, where are a thousand people singing the Sunday finale? That's what we needed right now. It's just like, okay, we, we celebrated his birthday in a way that was like all time, every 10 years. So what what are we doing? Like, And like the, the Grammys tribute was more yeah. and better. Yeah. it's It was bizarre to me. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That, that's my big complaint. Um, it will never be enough. Yeah. Really? I also um, thought I'd mention that a few shows have announced their closing since we last recorded. Oh, I didn't know that. So Come From Away and Dear Evan Hansen and Tina are all clo- closing on Broadway. Oh, mm. Tina, that's. Yeah. It, it, I don't know if it will have been. It'll be a, it'll have been a while. What, like two or three years? Well, it opened, yeah, it opened pre-COVID, but yeah, not but that with all long. those disruptions. Yeah. That's interesting to me because I thought it was doing fairly all right, but obviously mm. not. Dear Evan Hansen, good riddance. <laughs> I did. One of the things I loved, though, was because they announced their West End closing a few weeks before. Yeah. And I saw this tweet that said, um, just kudos to the, the Dear Evan Hansen marketing teams in both uh, across the pond that announced the closings in end of May or early June. <laughs> 
which is so niche, yeah, but I loved is. it. I'm sure it wasn't on purpose, but it's surely funny. it was. <laughs> but yeah, and come from away, and they yeah. opened at a really similar time, so that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Same season. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just wonder what the post-COVID world has done mm, to these productions. Exactly. But, um, exactly. Yeah, not. Po- I mean, we're not post-COVID, but yeah. You um, know. I'm linking to an interesting article that I read. Yeah. In the New York Times on the renovation of the Palace Theatre. That's right. She subscribes to the New York Times, everyone. So if you want to read it, you'll have to be a subscriber. Yeah. The Palace Theatre. You get a certain amount of free articles a month. I know. And I've, I seem to always have exceeded it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, tell me about this article. You know, so, you know, the Palace Theatre is like right in Times Square and it's been closed for the last few years mm. because they wanted to do this big renovation and basically they have taken the theatre and moved it up like four stories. I'm always amazed when they can do this shit. Like, yeah, how do par- they do it? Yeah, so this article is really interesting. They go into the, the detail of like the how they do it, but they the literally like slowly rise yeah. it. They put like yeah. concrete piles underneath yeah. the ground. Well, you can and- do that with a house. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yes, it is crazy. Yeah, so anyway, fascinating article. Shane made a comment about this. This is such a side note, but he was like, oh, you know, we may have to have the house lifted and redo the slab. And I was like, what? You can't just lift a house. He's like, yeah, of course you can, you idiot. I was like, oh, really? Like you could just lift a house? Wow. What do you mean? That is fascinating. Yeah. Even now I'm like, I don't, I think, no, I don't is trust it gaslighting? It. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but no, apparently. <clears throat> um, do you have any more news or do you want to talk about yeah, a musical? Just randomly. Ready? Something I read this morning. Joker 2 is going to be a musical. That's the word on the street. Why? The sequel to the Joker. Sequel to the film Joker. Yeah, you know, like the yeah, Joker. Yeah. The like the Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. So what do you mean? Like it Joker 2, they're gonna they're gonna have a sequel to the film. It will be a musical. Apparently. That's what they're saying. This, no, I what? And it And Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn. So it's gonna be a movie, but it'll be a movie musical? Yeah, that's what they're saying. Wait a second. That's what the word on the street is. <laughs> what? Yeah. Someone told me about it this morning and then I Googled it and it's true. I'm sorry. I'm, you've floored me. I know. You've completely floored me. The script is done. It's Joker Folie Adieu. Yeah. Which might be a musical. Yeah. What does that mean? How bizarre is that? Okay. Anyway. Well, More to come. Watch this space. Yeah. Man. In uh, in related news, shall we talk about Carousel? Carousel. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I thought was a train wreck and it isn't. Like, like Did you have up. a real hair experience with this or was it different for you? So different in that for hair, I, I didn't feel as much vitriol. And or like you were like, I hate Carousel. I thought I despised Carousel. Interesting. And so... And, and I've and I have loudly and obnoxiously proclaimed such for years. Yeah. And so in the research of this, I was like, well, I'll I'll re-listen and I'll re-watch because I've seen the film and realized that I was so, so wrong. That Carousel is actually beautiful. Mm. And it is definitely the best Rogers and Hammerstein musical. And it's possibly one of my favorite musicals of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's a massive retraction. And the backflip is it's, uh, on it's, Olympic levels. Thank you. Um, I could not believe how, like, where did I get these wild ideas? And even, like, because Shane said to me, oh, you're doing Carousel. You hate Carousel. I'm like, yeah, I hate it. And he goes, why do you hate it? And, of course, I had absolutely no reason except for, like, well, I don't like the themes and it's just like, oh, it's Carousel. It, not, no good reasons. Because it's not like, it's not like, say, you universally hate Rogers and Hammerstein because no, you no. love Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma. And you like Sound of Music? I like the Sound of Music. Yeah. I love Carousel. Mm. I hate South Pacific. Yeah. That I very a... much hate King and I. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to have realisations about either of those. No. But this one, oh, this one. I, um... Interesting. I had like a whole. Also, we're recording this in June. There's a whole. Yes, I know. I realized that as I was researching as well. I was like, oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I came into this. I had. I've. I still never seen Carousel on stage. Yes. Have you seen it on stage? I have. Yeah, once. Like an amateur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. 
So I've never, I'm actually kind of now having researched it amazed it hasn't been done professionally in our adult life. Yes. In Australia. Correct. Right? Mm. Like why haven't Opera Australia and, and GFO done yes. this? Why? I, I honestly don't know because it's like totally insane. And yet they've done, have they not done King and I twice or something? Or yeah. they've, they've, they've done, done South no. Pacific twice? Yeah, they've done, well, they did a return season. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. They've done like most of the other R and H shows. They haven't really done done Oklahoma, Oklahoma. yeah. Um, But yeah, like, yeah, it's just bizarre to me. Again, Oklahoma should be done. Yes. Again, I don't understand it. Anyway, um, I yeah, I've never seen on stage. I only knew the most famous songs, and that's it. I. I definitely felt a little out of my depth when we started recording. And in fact, we're recording this a few days later. When you started researching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when then we planned yeah. because I'd never seen it and I hadn't had time to watch it yet. And and we talked and I was like, no, I really should watch it before we record. Yeah. And so I watched the Lincoln Center like stage concert that they did. 2013, um, was 2013. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was so glad I did because it really, even though I had done already done all my research and everything, just for me personally, I I do find it really hard to really understand the show without seeing it. Yeah, and that's and so very fair. Just like, just like, just listening to the songs aren't enough for me. Really, no. like, yeah. I really need to have like seen it in context of this with the book and everything. Mm. Um, so, for example. I had no idea until I started researching it this week that it dealt with a character coming back from the death. Oh, really? I had no idea. I yeah, just right. assumed it was like like a, he died at love, the end or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like a love story, and yeah. and then there was these secondary love story characters. And wow, that's yeah. pretty. That's a pretty central. Yeah, that's plot like line. But like, I certainly <laughs> had no idea whole... that like he went to purgatory. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. Great. And that's like some pretty heavy themes for R This R&H. is the thing, right? Where so because I've been I've been very uh, self uh, reflective because I was like, okay, why do I hate this? And usually I can come up with some reasons. Generally, they're pretty weak as to why. But when I really delved into what I love about it, it's like these are themes they're dealing mm. with. Like they're dealing with death, and there is like these big questions about what it means to be a good person or what that even is and, like, yeah. what are relationships. And, like, it's so when you compare it to all of the other R&H musicals, yeah. this one is, like, on another plane in terms of depth of, so of story. So I would say I'm, like, at your levels of loving it now. I, I would say I prefer Oklahoma still personally, like, yeah. as far as R&H shows go. but Because I think I found, and we'll talk about the storyline in a second, but I did find it a bit hard to get over... The abuse. The abuse yeah. and I don't think you should get over it. No. But yeah. And I think that I think that honestly the challenge with this show would be how to show that to a modern audience mm. where you're not a you're not saying it so because I have a feeling the way it was done back in the day was like you kind of went, Oh, oh well. he's made up for what he did. Yes. But he's like a very unlikable character. No, that's Billy right. Bigelow. Like, and I think I actually disagree with you in that way. Okay, like, I don't think that's how it was ever approached. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and like, I'll talk about it a bit more. But like, I'm pretty certain that that is not how it was ever framed. Okay, because even in the film, it's not ever framed like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. All right. Well, l- let us know about the story. Um, what else did I want to say before I get oh, yeah. into it? Well, obviously, I've seen the film like. Most I've, I assume most people have seen the film, but and so like what most we're talking people. about, most people. For those who, before we get into the deep minutia, the themes that we're talking about are like domestic violence mainly. Generally, like the characters are bad people. Like I would say, you're do- dealing with people who are not good people, mm. um, and it's like also this is a really shitty world for women. So those are the sort of themes we're talking about. Really heavy stuff. Yeah, really heavy. Um, I would say the film is not probably not the best adaptation of it. Like if you can okay. see it on stage, the film is still great, but it's not like it's not a perfect representation. And yeah, see it on stage, it's I think a lot more poignant and believable on stage mm-hmm. than it is in the film. Um, yeah, but I've decided that I love it. Is the main point, point. <laughs> and I'm sorry about all the things I've said. Um, Even on this podcast, probably. Even, probably. Yeah. I think just daily I say something about Carousel, say some <laughs> shit about Carousel. Not anymore. I've changed. <clears throat> um, the plot. So this is based on, I, I don't have the pronunciation. Uh, it's a Hungarian playwright whose yeah. name is Ferenc Molnar. Yeah. Um, a very um, celebrated playwright. Yeah. I've got a bit of the history of that when we get oh, to cool. it Oh, cool. Well, well. Anyway, so yeah. the play is from 1909. It's called Lilium. Um 
basically the story is we're in Maine. This is not obviously the Hungarian play. This is now Carousel. We're in Maine in 1873, specifically 1873. Yeah. Very specific. And uh, there's two young female mill workers who are visiting the Carousel after work. So I assume the mill is like a cotton mill. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. Um, Julie Jordan, she's our main character. She catches the eye of the barker, Billy Bigelow. And so a barker is a carnival worker who like brings people into the ride. Yeah. She just like calls out to them to come and get a ticket, step right up, all that sort of thing. Um, so they, a Billy and Julie seem to connect to the dismay of the widow who owns the carousel. Um, and so Billy is sacked from his job for cavorting with Julie and Julie is sacked and also presumably homeless because she lives in the boarding house associated with her job um, for not making it back before curfew, like for hanging out with Billy. Yeah. So actually when you consider even just the ramifications of the first time they meet are pretty serious, like she doesn't have a home anymore. Because that's what happens. You go to, you're like Fontaine, you go to work and you have to like, it's like some sort of morality clause when you're an unmarried woman. Bullshit already. Anyway, um, Billy and Julie sing about their growing attraction to each other. And honestly, one of the most beautiful songs ever, it's If I Loved You, right at the top of the show. Um, And some really iconic dialogue. Like I love the line, um, Billy is obviously like not a great dude. Like he's a bit of a player from the beginning. Like you see that he's handsome and certainly like charismatic, but but just a bit of a dick, like a yeah, fuck boy. A real like brute and yeah. yeah. And so he says, like midway through the song, he says, like, hey, are you trying to get me to marry you? Like, um, and she's all innocent, like, no, and he goes, Well, what's putting it into my head? And you sort of feel like, no, oh, that's a bit yeah. Like we love to see a bad guy falling for a girl until later on in the show when you realise he's a yeah. dick. Anyway, so they get married and Billy like instantly struggles with married life. He is unemployed. He takes up with his old dodgy friends and he starts hitting Julie. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we find out about that because Julie and Billy move in with her auntie who like owns some sort of, they call it a spa, which I don't, I don't even know what that really means, but it's like it's represented as like a like a some like sort seaside of seaside, yes, of like a seaside B and B almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So they they move in there, and the the aunt is definitely very worried about Julie, and they everyone seems to know that Billy is hitting Julie. Yeah. Um, and Julie is very much already like a beaten wife. Yeah. So anyway, Jigga, and it's like a couple of months in. Oh yeah, like we're yeah, early, early. We're yeah. early in the marriage, yeah. And to be fair, like they do set that up that Billy is probably not a great guy. Like you're yeah. not you're not surprised that he is not ready for marriage or whatever. Anyway, Jigger is Billy's friend, and Jigger tries to convince Billy to participate in a robbery. And Billy sort of resists, but then finds out that Julie is pregnant, and he is very excited to have a son and he sings a whole song about it and then sort of feels the weight of responsibility when he realises the baby could be a girl. And in one of like what is supposed to be a redeeming moment for him, he's like, oh, I'll have to be like a father father to to a a girl. girl. Yeah, Yeah, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. And so he decides that because he's unemployed, he needs to make some money and he'll make his money by participating in this robbery. robbery. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just really awesome. Anyway, Jean Valjean did it, but Billy doesn't have the redemption that we want. Yeah. Um, So... Basically, yeah, that quote is you can have fun with a son, but you have to be a father to a yeah. girl. So crazy. Anyway, um, Julie intercepts Billy leaving with a dagger and tries to convince him not to, uh, but he does anyway. And while they're while Billy and Jiggy, Jigger are waiting for the robbery to begin, they sort of wager who on over who will get the takings. Yeah. Billy loses this wager and so basically negates any benefit of the robbery before it's even begun. Anyway, the robbery goes really wrong and as the victim of the robbery, like, pulls a gun on Billy, Billy stabs himself. Yeah. Um, Quite quickly, might I add. It like, happens so quickly. Yeah, You're he's like, just like, oh, oh, he's dead. Yeah, like he didn't maybe, dead, he didn't maybe, like, try to. <clears throat> no. He didn't really try to solve that problem. It's very dramatic. Anyway, Julie is devastated and Billy goes up there in capital U, capital T. Yeah Where he is told by the star keeper that he didn't do enough good in his life to get into heaven. Very true. He was a terrible person. So he's basically told he'll be given one day on earth after waiting 15 years to try and make up for all the bad shit he did. And the idea is that he'll have one day on earth where he can prove that he's good enough to go to heaven. Yeah. He goes back after 15 years. He sees his daughter, Louise. Um, She's 15. She's sad. She's lonely. She's bitter. Much like most 15-year-old girls were, I assume, in the late 1800s. (laughs) Like life was not great. So he steals as he's going down to earth. He steals a star from the sky and goes to earth to help Louise. He approaches um, 
Louise posing as a friend of her long dead dad and offers the star to her, but she refuses because he's like a stranger and he slaps her hand. Um, He later whispers in her ear some like motivational stuff about not having to follow her parents' footsteps or be held back by their failures and she then basically like symbolically becomes less sad and bitter. Um, Then Billy is just like able to go to heaven and Julie and Louise are like okay on earth. That's the end and you'll never walk alone apparently. So huge holes there and um, like definitely he doesn't do anything that is – that justifies redeeming. him. Yeah, there's no redeeming. And no. in fact, like that that really famous line, which is like, I, I will it's not verbatim, but it's like, do you did you ever feel like someone hit you but it felt like a kiss yeah, or something, yeah. whatever? It's just like, well, that's yeah, it's shit. But um I feel like the reason why in the story he is not redeemed is because like that's part of the comment. Like I don't feel like we're supposed to feel, oh good, Billy got good. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like I don't ever feel, I didn't ever feel manipulated in that. You feel very much at the end like um, here's a dude who's not a good dude who is doing just like what he thinks is good, still not really great and at least like leaving them alone. Like it's actually probably great that he okay. died. Like that is, yeah. and I think that's sort of part of it too <clears> is that like no, he died and and she's actually heaps better off without him. And, like and you're she's right. thriving. Like they- they say to her as soon as he dies, they're like, I, as soon as he dies. Yeah, like um, while he's Carrie's dead Carrie's like, is it Carrie? Yeah. Her friend, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, you're better. You, yeah. This is better for you. Straight away. Straight like there's, away. That's never hidden where they're like, what are you going to do? No, even in 1870, whatever, you are so much better off. Yeah. As like a widow with a baby. Yeah. Um, and she is like she kicks butt. Like by the by the time he comes back in fifteen years, yeah, Julie's like an outcast, but that's mainly because of dumb society. But yeah. Ju- like Julie's, she's getting it done. Like she's providing for her kid. Yeah, she doesn't need dumb Billy. And that's also it. Feels like that's part of his return where he feels very redundant, um, mm. and probably also sees that like he isn't necessary to Louise's happiness. It's much more a common on society at the time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Am I right that in the film he doesn't commit suicide, he gets stabbed? Um, God, I, I thought had he a feeling stabbed I read himself. That. I had a feeling I read that there was a difference there. There might have had to have been actually. I only watched the film like two days ago. How do I not remember this in my head? Yeah. No. That oh. he like accidentally got stabbed or something instead. Because so it's very much in the in the stage show anyway, he he purposefully stabs himself yes definitely like it's, it's very yeah that's right yeah and i wonder like maybe in the film because i'm now i can't remember yeah it's also definitely used in the stage show like where he committed suicide and that's why he doesn't go to heaven oh okay whereas no he doesn't go to heaven because he's a bad guy yeah. <laughs> it's not about suicide it's like no he hit his wife and he was a dickhead <clears throat> yeah um which is probably better as a message like yeah yeah but yeah that's the plot and um, it sounds really, it's very heavy, obviously, like yeah. much heavier than any of their other musicals. Absolutely. But what makes it very special is also the, all the other stuff that's happening around it. Like the music is the best yes. they've ever written. The, like, it's the only time, and I'll talk about it later, that a dream ballet I think is ever justified in one yeah. of their musicals. Like, yeah. so the dream ballet sequence happens when Billy is like coming down to earth and watching Louise. Yes. And it's a really great opportunity for a montage of her life yeah. in the format of a dream ballet. Like yeah. that makes sense. And also cause... You don't get that thing like with a lot of other R&H dream ballets. You end up having like ballet doubles of the characters. Yeah, but Louise is a ballet dancer. You just can't like Louise is just yes, this yes. ballet dancer, and that's who you're casting. Yeah, that's right. And because so, she's in, she's only in that back end. Yeah. she just needs to be a good actress and that's a dancer. Right. Exactly. Because um, I don't think she really sings. I don't think she sings. I don't think she sings at all. Yeah. Um, not like Julie, but. But there's also, like, there's another, there are two other characters. There's Carrie, Julie's friend, and Carrie's husband, Mr. Snow, and there's, like, a whole other sort of, it's almost like a sliding doors because they sort of meet their men at the same time. Yeah. And Carrie ends up with a good man in inverted commas, but even then he's, like, not great. Well, also, like, because he, like, goes to leave her because he thinks that she's flirting with Jigger. Yeah. Like, and she's not. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, nah. Um, see ya. Yeah. That's not what like a woman of mine's away, gonna like, do. No yeah. woman of mine will be. Yeah. And then he sort of like forces her to have a ton of children. Yeah. So it's almost just like, oh, like no matter what, you're really fucked if you're a woman in this yeah. time period. Exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So some history. Please. So Carousel is the second musical by um, Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein, the second. Um, and I hadn't really considered that 
until researching this That it was the second either. one. So soon after Oklahoma too. Correct. So basically the Oklahoma happened in 1943 and they wanted to, you know, as we know from previous R&H shows, like they had worked a lot on Broadway already, you know, with their previous collaborators. But um, And so it's not, you know, it's not like they just struck gold out of nowhere, but they it was kind of like Oklahoma was this massive success, changed musical theatre mm. and the way that we, um, you know, putting putting really story through song for mm. the first time. And so they wanted to collaborate on another show, but they also knew, like we all do, like the, you know, the, the second novel kind of syndrome. Yeah, of course. That everything would be compared to Oklahoma. So And, and that probably it would be compared unfavourably. When they were spot on. Yeah. <laughs> And so, um, and so they just were very reluctant to sort of just sign on to anything, right? Mm. So um, they had considered Lilium, this play by Molnar uh, that Josephine mentioned, but he had previously refused um, permission for the work to be adapted mm. and also the original ending that the, sh- that the play had was considered like just too depressing for yeah. musical theatre. Well, even at, when the play first came out, because he was quite a celebrated playwright, it had even been sort of panned in yeah. Hungary as well because it was just so sad. In its native country and That's then right. there was this English translation That's that right. happened on Broadway in the in first in the twenties, I think, and then yeah. again in the in the late thirties, late yeah. I think, yeah. Um, and that was quite celebrated. Um, yeah, it took some time for yeah. it to be, yeah. Um, so uh, essentially like the show, like Carousel was produced on Broadway by a group called the Theatre Guild and I hadn't really heard of them. I don't know if you had, um, but they were a theatrical society founded in New York in 1918 and mm. they produced Broadway shows all the way up until 1996. No. The last show that they produced was um, the 1996 revival of State Fair and <laughs> um, back in the day, right, they had – they produced a lot of really successful things. So yeah, I'm just looking at the They list. were the ones who had produced a couple of these English language adaptations of Lilium and that was sort of why they brought it to R&H, you know, to, to, to adapt. Yeah. And they had also produced Oklahoma um, as well as um, the original production of Porgy and Bess. Like that's obviously not R&H but like some big heavy hitters, right? Yeah. And from that time period. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, – Rogers and Hammerstein um, at the time met weekly with uh, Teresa Helburn and Loris Langner, who were of the Theatre Guild. They were the producers of Oklahoma and they together formed what they termed the Gloat Club because obviously Oklahoma had been so successful. <laughs> and at one of these lunches, those producers proposed to R&H that they turn Lilium into a musical and they refused. They said they had no feeling for the Budapest setting and they also thought that the unhappy ending was unsuitable for musical theatre, as I mentioned. Mm. And also they felt, given the unstable wartime political situation, that they would probably need to change the setting from Hungary. Mm. Um, and, I, I again, I, and I'll talk about this a bit more later, but, like, like the idea that this show happened I know. in the uh, midst of World War, war II. Yeah. Like, is, is this old? Is yeah. so kind of mind-blowing to I'm me. I had never considered it before this. I'm completely the same. Yeah. And so at this next lunch, the producers again proposed it, but they suggested moving it to Louisiana mm. and making the character of Lilium, who becomes Billy, um, Billy Bigelow, Southern, yeah. uh, a Creole. Yeah. And, um, and they played with that idea for the next few weeks, but then they decided that Creole dialect, you know, which is like zis and zos, would um, be too corny and not and be hard to write. Yeah. And then a breakthrough came when Rogers, who owned a house in Connecticut, proposed setting it in New England, basically. Yeah. I think, too, it's sort of assured <clears throat> that it's it's maintained at least it's not, like, racially a bit dodgy. Yes, like, you absolutely. don't want to have a Creole character being that terrible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the show opened for tryouts in New Haven, Connecticut, obviously a place where lots of shows try out, try out usually, particularly then, on yeah. March 22nd, 1945. Just so long um, ago. <laughs> yeah. The first act was well received, but the second act was not. No. Um, uh, someone recalled that the second act finished at about 1.30 a.m. Fuck. And That's my worst nightmare. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the creatives immediately sat down for a two-hour conference. Mm. Five scenes, half the ballet, and two songs were cut from the show as a result. <laughs> um, but who thought that was a good idea to show audiences that? Yeah, like, I know. Um, so three weeks of tryouts in Boston followed New Haven and 
there, the audience was given quite a good reception. Yeah. The original Broadway production opened at the Majestic Theatre on April 19th, 1945, and ran 890 performances, closing on May 24th, 1947. That's more than I thought, actually. It's a, that's a, I mean, that's that a is a very decent run, run yeah. for the time. Yeah. Um, the original production predates the Tony Awards. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh, we're back in that time period. Yeah, so they were first awarded in 1947 um, but and we opened in 1945, as I said. So it did win a handful of Donaldson Awards, which I'd never heard of <laughs> until researching Award. this. Yeah, they predate the Tonys and ran from 1944 to 55, at which point the Tonys very much had sort of taken over yeah. as the major theatrical awards. Uh, after closing on Broadway, the show went on a national tour for two years. Oh. It played five months in Chicago alone. Chicago. It, vis- it visited 20 states and two Canadian cities and played to nearly 2 million people, God. which at the time I think was just quite unheard of. Yeah. Um, the touring company also came back to New York, New York City Centre for a four-week run. Mm. And following that, the show was moved back to the Majestic Theatre in the hopes of filling the theatre until South Pacific opened in early April. But tickets were mediocre and the show... Closed almost a month early. Yeah, wow. Yeah, which is interesting. I'm just starting to think, like, do you think the appeal, obviously Rodgers and Hammerstein were, like, groundbreaking at the time, but also, like, those two musicals, Oklahoma and Carousel, were about normal, in inverted commas, American people. Yeah. You know, like, so much of of, of um, art at the time is really highbrow about, like, yeah, rich people so in true. their holiday homes and, like, these are working class yeah, people. Yeah, so true, mm. so true. Um, the musical then premiered in the West End, London, at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane on June 7th, 1950, and ran in London for 566 performances. Also a decent run. Yes. Uh, the film was released in 1956, starring Gordon McRae and Shirley Jones. Yes. Gordon McRae is Josephine's pinup boy from her childhood. Yes, correct. Uh, there were Broadway revivals. It makes it sound like I was around, like I my know. childhood was. Yes. It, it's, well, it wasn't. I was a very weird child. I ask your children at school, they'll tell you. <laughs> they'll tell me I'm very old. <laughs> there were Broadway revivals in 1954, 57, 1994, and 2018. So there was a gap between 57 and 94. Yeah, isn't that amazing? But yeah. that is really where. That's common. Like musicals didn't yeah. happen, yeah. you know? Yep. And then the British invasion. Uh, so the 1994 revival, which had originated in London, was nominated for eight Olivier's and won four, and it was nominated for five Tonys and won all five, which wow. is pretty incredible. You don't sort of read that happening too much. Yeah, like five is not a heap. But, yeah. But to win all of the ones you've nominated for is... Um, it was also the very first year Best Revival of a Musical was given out. Yeah, right. And it won that. Yeah. And it was the first of Audra McDonald's six Tony Awards. She played Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a 2018 revival, which I mentioned, which starred Joshua Henry and Jesse Mueller as Billy and Julie. Joshua Henry, oh, such so great casting. Good. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I mean, so is Jesse Mueller, but, like, Josh Henry, oh, my gosh. Do you think that um, – Do you think she was miscast? Uh, oh, do you, so you think Jesse Mueller was miscast? I don't, but lots of people do. Oh, do they? I think she was perfect as Julie. Yeah, I thought she was great. Yeah. So she, um, we we talked about this on text at the time, but she was Carrie in that 2013 concert. And in my head I was like, oh, are they, could the same people play both? But I guess they can. Definitely. It, they're both sopranos, aren't Definitely, they? Definitely, yeah. yeah. And very, and like I think that makes it stronger if you've got very similar sort of people because it is that sort of the, the path not taken. Yeah, so true. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think, no, I think she's great casting, God, actually. She, I had no idea because, of course, I mostly know Jessie Mueller from Waitress. Yeah, so does everyone, yeah. And so I just had no idea she had such a great legit soprano. It's such a different sound. Yeah. Like if you are a fan of Waitress, you've got to listen to her sing yeah. Carousel because you just will not even believe it's the same person. Yeah, it's quite amazing. To it's be just, able to do both of those voices. Yes, is, yeah. I know. And, be- and obviously beautiful as and like the show, beautiful. You know, she was the original oh, yeah. Carol King. That's right, to do Carol King yes. as well. So because in my head, Carol King to Waitress is yeah, that, actually – that's a step – Quite not a, a, yeah. yeah, so for but, this to be, yeah, to yeah she's so talented. Oh she my God. Is, she's, she's such a good actress as well. Yeah. Um, so this, yeah, so um, they played Billy and, and Julie as well as opera diva Renee Fleming was um, oh, Nettie, yeah. the, the aunt who sings. Um, June is busting out all over. Well, and um, You'll Never Walk you Alone. You'll Never Walk Alone, the famous. Yes. So um, I have to say, because obviously even, even in this Broadway revival where it was mostly Broadway actors, mm. Obviously, that's a common role to cast a famous it's opera singer. It's like the singer. Mother Abbess. Yes, in, correct. Um, 
in Sound, Sound of Music. Music. And yeah. it's, in a way, I think it's a bit of a shame because you're it not going to get the acting chops that yeah. you need for Certainly that Certainly not the style that you need. No. Like you, you'd be, have an opera actor, which yeah. is a very different thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I'm sure, mm. you know, she's got beautiful voice, Renee Fleming, but I just don't know how good the acting would be. Mm. Um, so most of the reviewers agreed that while the choreography and performances, especially the singing, were excellent, Characterising the production as sexy and sumptuous, O'Brien's direction did little to help the show deal with modern sensibilities about men's treatment of women, Mm. instead indulging in nostalgia. Um, That Mm. revival was nominated for, uh, so it was directed by Jack O'Brien, sorry, I should have said, who directed like Hairspray and he's directed quite a lot over the years. Um, But, yeah, it's – it wasn't a – you know, normally we talk about these revisals. As being um, like quite triumphant. And – all of those ones are directed by Barla Sher. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like all the ones that haven't been haven't – like, for example, like the current revival of The Music Man yeah. is not directed by Barla Sher. Like, yeah. And it's not doing anything new or special. Yes. It's like – like, can we have another Barla Sher, please? But I think – well, aren't we getting one? What's the – I meant just like another person oh, who is person, doing that sorry. work. Because <laughs> um, I've, I've been meditating on this, particularly reading those message boards about this very mm. idea and like – I actually feel like there's nothing about this musical, like I said, that that glorifies the abuse. Like certainly there is nothing no. in here that excuses it. Um, it is so clear that Billy is an abhorrent character and that is never, ever sort of glossed over. Yeah. I actually do feel like people are unfairly looking at this musical through a lens that if they were a bit more reflective about what the musical is actually telling you, it's not, it's not, it's not saying anything positive about those behaviours. Do, Do you know what I mean? it's saying anything negative though? Well, that's the other, that's what I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I guess sure that about. is what people, because I don't you know do have if, to kind of, sometimes you have to beat people over the head with things a bit. I don't know if going to purgatory is like, that's a negative thing, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, and I don't know, like I, what I think is interesting about it is that we expect those really clear-cut mor- morals in a yes, musical. true. And this is so much more human. This is so much more yes. like, you know what, people, sometimes people are shit and sometimes not much happens to them. Like sometimes. But, but look at Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. Recently, you know, we had this discussion when I covered it on the show. Yeah. Is that people now have sort of turned against it because they feel like it's questionably moral. And, yeah. And it is that thing of do, do we – do, do we allow like, musicals to be questionable? Yeah, and, but like when you think about life, like we, not that we're all Billy Bigelow, but like we're just humans and I don't know if musicals need to, I don't think they need to come up with some sort of moral at the Cast end. judgment, yeah. Or be ethically correct. Like yeah. this happens, right? Like people are abusers. Mm. Sometimes they're never even found out. Like at least Billy Bigelow is known to be a dickhead throughout his life. Do you know what I mean? Like no one ever thinks he's a good person. It's really interesting. But I don't know. What I do struggle with is that he is the male lead. Yeah. But that's that's all we give him. Like we don't ever say, well, he learned his lesson or whatever. We don't. Mm. So I don't know. I guess it's hard because, for example, I think of like him closing act one with soliloquy. With soliloquy. Arguably one of the greatest songs ever written for musical theatre. Yeah. Um, And... That is a triumphant moment. But then, like, Jekyll and Hyde has those moments and he's yeah. not a great dude, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's true. I don't know, same with Phantom. Like, yeah, true. these are all, uh, I don't know, it does feel like it's getting, it gets a lot of unfair judgment in that way mm. when, yeah. I certainly think a revival could do a lot more to yes. to position us further. I want someone to dig into it. Without changing it. Like, I don't think yeah. you need to change it. No, just characterisation like stuff. Exactly. Like that My Fair Lady revival, Precisely. really. Where... Precisely. It's all there. Yeah. You've just got to have a lens. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Um, so that 2018 revival was nominated for 11 Tony Awards, which considering the sort of reception it had gotten actually seemed a lot to me. Mm. Um. It won two. It won Lindsay Mendez, who played Carrie, won Best Featured Actress. She's fantastic. And it won Best Choreography for Justin Peck. Yeah. Um, That also sounds, I'm sure those ballets were stunning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that was, that was, um, it would have been. Yeah. Uh, It lost Best Revival that year to Once on This Island. And in fact, My Fair Lady was the other thing nominated. So it was a a strong strong revival year. Yeah. 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 Very strong. 
Um, yeah, so that's the history of it. Yeah, nice. Mm. Um, I just want to quickly mention the music. So yeah. I think this is glorious music. Mm. I think it's the closest that Richard Rogers comes to writing an opera. Definitely. Um, particularly in Act One. Like you can tell he was very much inspired by opera in Act One. And it's just such beautiful music. There are so many hits in this show as well. Like, I mean, You'll Never Walk Alone is for sure the most recognisable song from musical theatre, I think probably ever, to the general population. Yeah. Mainly because after Jerry and the Pacemakers released a cover in 1967, a ton of football clubs yes. have, like, made it their theme. So notably Liverpool, it's Liverpool's theme song. Yeah. Um, but, like, that is to say that, that the theme song for a bunch of football clubs is a song from Carousel. So is like, weird. What? But it's it's some of the most thoughtful R&H music, I think, like – not only because the subject matter is much more heavy than, say, Oklahoma, but I just think they've spent a lot more time considering the music of this. And, mm. and I think you can see that this is their second musical because it just feels so much more considered to yeah. me. Like it just feels much more thoughtful and much more meticulous than Oklahoma does. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, music, beautiful, stunning. Yeah. yeah. I mean, lots of my fun facts are also kind of history things as cool. well. Uh, but I thought I would just say I have a note here that um, – just an interesting point that's sort of on your point. It's often performed by opera companies. Yes. Um, and he and Richard Rogers had said he saw the show in operatic terms. He was on record yeah. as saying that. There you go, yeah. But, yeah, like, and sort of further to my point, like why hasn't this been done yeah. in the last few years by I've an got opera a, company? I've got a point now, like a bit more that I've written about sort of the place of Carousel in our world now. And what I, of course, had forgotten was that when the revival came out, the 2018 revival, that was sort of like the height of Me Too. Mm. And so that had created. So the fact that the main character is a, an abuser would have been like extra controversial yes, at the so time. So true, so true. But like I said, I don't think we should shy away from the show. It's a very, very human story. And it's also this, it's a frame around a really small life. Mm. And I don't think it's glorifying domestic violence. I think it certainly doesn't try to make Billy sympathetic and it doesn't try to build up Julie to be some sort of resistor either. Like I do love the idea that Julie is very much a product of her time yes, and a victim of her time as well. Definitely. Like not just a victim of Billy, but of like, she had to get married. Like yeah. she didn't have a home. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. just for talking to some dude at the, at the fair. So yeah. yeah. And I love that it's about life and death. Like it's just about, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was yeah, mine. Do you want to talk about the film? Yeah, let's. Yeah, I've got some fun facts about the film. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. so Frank Sinatra was supposed to star as Billy Bigelow. Yeah. In fact, he'd started rehearsals. Yeah, so um, I thought this was quite amazing. He'd even pre recorded um, some of the songs he was due to sing in the film. Yeah. And then um, when they sort of went to, went to film it, when he arrived on set, so the cast knew that they had to film certain scenes twice. Yes. One was for regular Cinescope and the other was for Cinescope 55. That's right. So regular was the 35mm <clears throat> and 55 yeah. was the, yeah. The... And so, but apparently he arrived on set and he claimed that he was being paid to film one movie, not two, and he walked away saying, you're not getting two Sinatras for the price of one. <laughs> well, so, you know, interestingly, Shelley Jones years later in an interview actually said that she found out the real reason he kicked up that big stink was not because yes. of filming it twice, but because Ava Gardner, who was his wife at the time, was shooting a film with Clark Gable in Africa and basically called him up and was like, if you don't get down here, I'm going to have an affair with Clark Gable. Yeah. And so Frank Sinatra was like hot-tailed it down yes. to Africa. Which is just like, what? I know. And also, like, he had such a reputation as being a diva that he could have he could have fully gotten away with that. I, I also feel like both stories could be true. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, I thought it was just interesting that so after he left the production, the filmmakers found a way to film the scene once on 55mm and then transfer it onto 35mm so it did not have to be shot That's twice. right. But that was quite groundbreaking in terms yeah. of, like, that hadn't really been done before. Yeah. So the story goes that because Shelley Jones had just done Oklahoma with Gordon McRae yeah. that they the filmmakers were like can you call him and get him in and so she like called him up and right. they'd already they were like ready to shoot so he had just he had been very familiar with the show I don't think he hadn't done it so he just like came in stepped wow. in they were also talking about maybe Judy Garland for for Julie oh, very early on in it didn't obviously eventuate but very early on mm. which would have been interesting it's also yeah. Shelley Jones favorite Rogers and Hammerstein. Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. It's also um, Richard Rogers' favourite Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah, there you go. He said that. Um, yeah. It wasn't a big success at the box office mm. and, and a lot of people just say it was too soon after Oklahoma yeah. and um, so different. Like 
if you, at the time, considering that we didn't really have these musicals, we didn't have a ton of them to choose from. So if you knew Oklahoma and you were like, oh, great, they're coming out with another one, this would have been yeah. a shock to the system, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I've got a, this is not about the film, but um, Mary Rogers and Stephen Sondheim apparently, like we're both teenagers at the time when they saw it on Broadway. Yeah. And Mary Rogers tells a story that like after the lights came up, she she and Steve sort of like locked eyes and they were both just like sobbing in the theatre, oh, which is really nice because yeah. they, they were good friends, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I have a note. Stephen Sondheim apparently at one point noted the duo's ability to take the innovations of Oklahoma and apply them to a serious setting. Mm. He wrote, Oklahoma is about a picnic, Carousel is about life and death. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly it. And yeah. both are valid and beautiful, but this is just like, yeah. Yeah. They've I just got think that's range. Such a, great, such a great quote. What I love, like I, oh, this sounds so stupid, but you know like some people will think R&H are just like, oh, a bit of fluff. But, like, if Stephen Sondheim yeah. thinks that they were geniuses, yeah. and obviously not just because of his personal relationship with Oscar, but, like, they are. I think, um, and I don't know about you, but the the biggest thing, like, doing this podcast for me has just been marvelling at, at the history that was being made. Yeah. I think when I when I look at these shows back then, I think, yeah. and that's the big, like, just so groundbreaking for the yeah. time. Changed, like, this is why we have the modern musical. Yeah. Because of these shows. That's right. And I just think, like, it's like, yeah, of course they feel dated. They are. Yes. They're so old. you still need to recognise what they were. Yeah. In, you know, in the history books, I just think. That's right. Um, I've got a few things about uh, Molnar and the adaptation. Oh, yeah. And that sort of thing. So, basically, um, he just generally had an opposition to having his works adapted. That mm. was a thing, right? Um, so he had famously turned down um, Pacini uh, when he wanted to turn Lilium into an into opera. Into an opera, yeah. Um, he stated that he wanted the piece to be remembered as his, not Pacini's, <laughs> which is a bit awkward considering what had happened. But he, in 1937, he had actually emigrated to the United States and um, he also declined an offer from Kurt Weill to turn the play oh, into wow. a musical. But um, the Theatre Guild took Molnar to see Oklahoma and Molnar stated that if Rogers of Hammerstein could adapt Lilium as beautifully as they had modified Green Grow the Lilacs into Oklahoma, he would be pleased to have them do it. Wow. And I read several stories where hair, because, you know, they changed the ending. So that's and... quite interesting to me because I would imagine, like, Kurt Vile is a better fit, right? fit for, for that Molnar. Sort of, yeah. yeah. Um, so apparently, like, he came to uh, – like an early preview or something like that. And they realised he was, no, it was a rehearsal. It was in the rehearsal room when they had changed the ending um, to make it a bit more hopeful um, from the play. And basically they were just like really stressed, stressed what he was going to react. And then he sort of came up to them afterwards and was like, oh, what, you know, wonderful. And uh. what a great ending, you know, like, like apparently. He, and then he was um, apparently came to rehearsals heaps after Aww. that, which I thought was really nice. That's cute. Um, I'm trying to remember what the ending of Lilium is, like why it's so... Yeah, I think it's... Well... I did read it. I think it's because... Um, well, they don't have all the stuff at the graduation, do they? Like all of that's kind of... Yeah. Re- like all that sort of hopeful, like um, him sort of convincing... Oh, he fails. Like he goes... He goes presumably to hell. is sent to hell. So, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 16 years later, he's allowed to return to Earth for one day to do a good deed for his now teenage daughter, Louise, whom he's never met. If he succeeds, he'll be allowed to enter heaven. He fails in the attempt and is presumably sent to hell. The ending, though, focuses on Julie. So that's it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Of course he fails. Of course he fails because he does. Because he does. Yeah. <laughs> he, he hits her when he comes back in his one yeah. day. He's a bad dude. I know. He's a bad dude. He um, should be singing his I'm a bad, bad man from Any Get Your Gun. Yes. Um, so Richard Rogers injured his back the week before opening, um, the opening on Broadway. And so he watched it from a stretcher propped in a box behind the curtain. Um, and he was sedated with morphine and and could only see part of the stage (laughs) and he couldn't hear the audience's applause and laughter. So he assumed the show was a failure Yeah, and it wasn't until friends congratulated him later that evening that he realized that the curtain had been met with wild applause. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. Geez, you'd be so stressed. Hey, not like slightly out of your head and also immobile. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. I don't really have, I I just have my gateways. I I don't have any more. I've got a few more random ones. Please. In 1999, Time magazine named Carousel the best musical of the 20th century. Oh. Uh, Richard Rogers was the first person to EGOT, Emmy, Grammy, yes, Oscar, Tony. Yeah. 
that was that, this was a real nice clam bake, which is in the show. Was repurposed from a song, a real nice hayride, written for Oklahoma <laughs> but not used. Yeah, nice. Um, it's like a um, God. What? It's like a Julie Stein move to do that sort yeah, of thing. Like, a like trunk just song. Oh, I'll use this one. Yeah. Um, one error. So they June is busting out all over. Um, Rogers and Hammerstein wanted it to be somewhat factually correct about like a clam bake kind of thing and like oh, that's right, but they happens. didn't really know what that is yeah and so they got like someone to tell them anyway they there was a few errors that they sort of were like oh it's fine but this was a funny one it said one error not caught involved the song Junis busting out all over in which sheep are depicted as seeking to mate in late spring they actually do so in the winter whenever this was brought to hammerstein's attention he told his informant that 1873 was a special year in which sheep mated in the spring <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, um, my only other notes are just it, it's just very strange to think of this as RNH's follow-up to Oklahoma, as we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, Haverstein wrote, we're such fools. No matter what we do, everyone is bound to say this is not another Oklahoma. Mm. And just I'm just thinking about imagine that pressure and then going to write not only Carousel, but then all the subsequent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> South Pacific. Like, just hit after hit. Hit after hit. Yeah. Like, it is just crazy it to is think crazy. about. It is crazy. Um, and it was also just really strange reading about how the Second World War was affecting the mounting of this original Broadway production, including them finding it hard to find performers for the ensemble. Oh, yeah. So Rogers told his men. casting director, yeah, John Fernley, that his sole qualification for a dancing boy was that he be alive. <laughs> and something I've actually never considered is yeah. like, and a lot of those shows needed like bulky young, males for yeah. the, like young strapping men yeah. for their chorus. Yeah. Wow, yes. Yeah. Geez, that would have been the perfect time to write some female-centric musicals. Hey, right? God they damn, didn't do it. No, couldn't. Not even that. Not even a war. Yeah. So before we get to gateways, I'll just mention what's on Spotify. So mm-hmm. the original Broadway cast isn't available on there. Yeah. Uh, but the film soundtrack is on there. The 1993 London revival um, and the 2018 the 2018 Broadway revival. And which, that is the one you should listen. That is to. the one you should listen to because definitely. those voices. They're beautiful. <sighs> yeah. Should we talk gateways? Yes. Mm. I think we have the same gateways. Yeah. I've only got two. Yep. It is If I Loved You and Soliloquy. Yeah. Because I don't really like the song You'll Never Walk Alone. Yeah. So it's that, just very done. Um, I That was the other one I put on was You'll Never Walk Alone. It is very done. Um, yeah. I'm just It's just like something that I don't really need to hear again. Yeah. And I assume if you don't know Carousel, you know that song anyway. But Soliloquy is just a magnificent song. And If I Loved You, I think it's quite under, it's obviously very famous, but it's underrated in that musical. Like it's always eclipsed by yes. You'll Never Walk Alone. Soliloquy is definitely like the, I don't know, sister song to Finishing the Hat as well. Like I would say so, it's yeah. It's like a real kind of precursor to that song, which is also considered one of the greatest songs written for the musical theatre. Yeah. I will say there are, there aren't that many songs in this musical, actually. No, you're like, right. Like there's, it's not, um, and there's not really many female songs either. And it's not as long as some of their other shows. No, it's not. Like it's, yeah, it's quite a snappy, it's a snappy film, it's a snappy stage show. It's probably two and a half hours. Yeah. Particularly once, if you do that dream ballet as long as it, yeah. is intended it gets pretty hefty but act two is a lot more about the dancing than it is about yeah. the singing like it is in act one yeah but there's just more ensemble singing and um more of billy than there is of the females yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah and that's carousel that's carousel a surprisingly I, um, positive yeah definitely take. yeah a surprising one i yeah, like i said i still probably i in a way, I would just love to do it to try and solve some of the yes. the problems, yes, if you will, problems. Um, but the music's beautiful and it's got a lot of depth. Yeah, a lot of depth. Surprising amount of depth. Yeah. And it's not, it's not problematic in a way that you couldn't solve in 2022. No, not at all. You know? Not at all. Not like doing The King and I or South Pacific. I also don't, I don't think he would need to go to heaven. At the end, like I don't think he would need to. You could actually make him just be like, "Sorry, mate. Yeah. It's great that you help Louise, but you're still pretty bad." Yeah. But like, do we believe in heaven anyway? Anyway, that's a, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that is our other podcast. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks, Josephine. Um, I've enjoyed talking Carousel with you. Should we do it? I think, look, I feel that way about every show we cover. But I didn't feel that way about The Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you be? In The Lion King? Yeah. 
I don't think I can be anyone. (laughs) (laughs) In this, though, there's nothing. Maybe the aunt, Aunt Nettie, is it? Do you think you're too old for Julie? I think you are. Have you seen my face? You know, I woke up the other night in the middle of the night to go to the toilet and I looked in the mirror and I had a permanent frown. Like I frown in my sleep, I realise. So I'm developing these frown lines that are like, oh, you've got to stop frowning in your sleep. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm too old for Julie is the, the, who would you be? Probably Nettie, I guess. Yeah, well, that's who I'm going to be. Okay, that. Nah, sorry. Who could I be? Maybe, yeah. maybe Jigger. Could I be yeah, a female you could Jigger? Be, you'd be a great Jigger. Yeah. Let's do a gender flipped version of Carousel. Oh, here we go. <laughs> because not all men. Not all men. Hashtag <laughs> not all men. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, follow us on Instagram. I guess we haven't said that. In <laughs> Nothing a while. happens there. No, I just post when a new episode comes out. I'm sorry, that's all I do. Yeah, we used to post memes, but not anymore. Yeah, we, we should don't have do time that. for that. No. Find your own memes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we were creating the memes either. No, God, no. We were just stealing them from other places. We would give credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just go find those people. Yeah. They're very clever. Clever people. Clever Broadway people. Indeed. All right, Ruth. We'll see you next time. Yeah, I will. Bye. Bye. Bye.